Well, again, good morning. Uh, it's so great to have you all here this morning. Uh, if you're new or newer to the Grace Works, we're going through a little bit of a vision series. We just finished up a book study on the book of Jonah. Uh, it was a lot of fun kind of going into the fall. Uh, at the same time, we were uh, emerging with a church down in Lacey, two churches becoming one, believing that God will move us forward faster and farther together. And uh, we really liked the idea of, of preaching through Jonah. And, and I, I know a lot of you are here, and I hope you enjoyed that series as much as I did. And then this, uh, this vision series, we like to do this every once in a while when we're done with one of our book series. So you can kind of get to know who we are as a church. So if you've showed up any time in the last six months, year, maybe you haven't uh, known exactly what the Graceworks is all about. Um, we're trying to streamline our website, make things easier to understand. We try to work it into our sermons, uh, what we're about, but sometimes we still miss. And, and so every once in a while, we like to kind of pause what we're doing and say, hey, this is who we are. This is why we are who we are. This is what we're all about. And, and, and just to make sure that this is the place that you want to be and that you could see yourself worshiping in, uh, growing in, serving in, and moving forward in. And so we do have this banner up front here, the Grace Works. We're about worship, uh, which is what we talked about last week, our, our worship services, what happens during them, what it takes to run them. That's why we had that little ministry fair. Uh, and, and, and so we, we've built one of our pillars as being worship services built on grace, worship God, praising passionately, all that kind of good stuff. And that's what we talked about last week. This week we find ourselves, uh, and we're going to camp around pillar two. I'm so glad to see so many of you guys here uh, that, that were here last week when we kind of blindsided you with that ministry fair. When we made you get up, go to the back, and mingle with people, uh, that you came back this week. So that's awesome. Today we're not going to make you do that. Okay, there's, there's, no, there's no getting up and mingling per se, uh, but we are going to look at families built on grace. What does that mean? What is your responsibility as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ in your family? Um, and then what does that mean to our church? Like, why do we do what we do because of what we believe about families? Now, let me tell you, there are books and books and books, enough to fill a library written on families and how you should be a good mom, how you could be a better husband or dad, or how you should be good kids, what to happens after your kids move out of the home, what if God doesn't call you to get married and you're single, all those sorts of things. So today, we're going to touch on a lot of things, but obviously we're not going to go really in-depth on this, or we could spend the next few months talking about families. Uh, but it, it's, it's a lot of fun to look at these strategies once in a while and say, okay, I understand what the Grace Works is about that's the place that I want to be and, and, and decide as a family to move forward. So we're going to be looking at families today built on grace. Next week, we're going to be looking at community groups. Uh, so if you're newer to the area and you're hoping to get a little more connected, we're going to be looking at community groups, why they're so important, why we feel they're so important. And then we're going to give you guys an opportunity that day to say, hey, where are the community groups that are going on here in DuPont? And give you an opportunity to kind of check them out. Uh, we have them as far north as, as like uh, Stillicum area. And then, of course, down into Lacey, uh, we have some from the other campuses. But 
depending on the night and the time, one might work for you better than another. Uh, we encourage people, like when you're shoe shopping, to try them on. Nobody will be bummed if you don't come back. If you want to try a couple different ones and you find a good fit for your family, that's what we're looking for. Uh, and, and then also giving people an opportunity to say, hey, I might be willing to open up my home for a community group. What does that look like? Okay, And so if God's already been laying that on your heart, come talk to me. Because I think with the growth we've experienced in the last six or so months, we need a couple more groups. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. The four or five that we have going on in DuPont are going to be pretty full pretty quick uh, if if we don't have some new ones open up. So that's just kind of a, a plug for next week. And then two weeks out is our service outreach. We, we, we believe that the GraceWorks exists to bless our community. Uh, we try to get involved in community events. So Halloween is going to do their trick-or-treating down in the main street where it's a safe place during the day for little ones to come and get some candy with their families. We'll set up a booth again now for the, I think this is our seventh year in a row, and we're just going to hand out candy and love on the community, and it's something they're already doing that we can come in and support. We do it with Run to Remember and their, and their big Memorial Day event. We do it with the school and events that they have going on. Well, one or twice a year, I should say, we take our Sunday service off. And what we do is we call it a, a service Sunday. That's the name. Uh, where we go out and we work in our community. We get a, a few different projects going and uh, we get out there and get our hands dirty. So next week, we'll have the specifics on the different opportunities for you to serve. It looks like we have three right now. Uh, so if anyone knows of something we might be able to do around the community, I think with a group this size, we might be able to even mobilize four uh, service projects. Uh, if you know of something, talk to Dave, talk to myself. We would love to get some info on that, follow up, and see if we could do that. But it, a lot of times, it's weeding. It's, it's putting down beauty bark. It's uh, you know maybe some painting, some things like that. And we'll know more of those specifics next week. Uh, and so anyway, so that's kind of where we're going the next couple of weeks, today we find ourselves looking at family. Family is so important. I grew up in a family, uh, uh, there were four of us kids and my mom and dad, so there were six of us in our immediate family. Uh, but by the time I was very young, I had, both my parents were only children. I had lost three of my four grandparents. So for the majority of my life, when we talked about family, it was the six Millers, my mom and dad, my two brothers, my sister and me, and Grandma Lundgren. It was the seven of us. So every Easter, every Christmas, every time the families would get together, the seven of us were, were together. And we felt so blessed because we had such an incredible family. Now, don't get me wrong. I fought with my brothers like cats and dogs. So, I mean, I'm human. But we really did love each other and we were blessed. And so as Gwen and I, and she came from a family that, that loved each other too. And so as we started having kids, we knew that one of our desires for our kids was to be close. To grow up, even though there was going to be fighting and there was going to be, you know, the pushing and, the, and the, all the things that go on with kids. We wanted them to learn to love each other. So from very, very early on, Noah and Ethan, my oldest two, understood that their job, their main job in life for the time being was to take care of their sister. Because it went Noah, Ethan, Abby. And so they knew from a very young age that God wanted them to be men of honor and, and integrity and, and also to take care of family. And so they watched out for their sister. 
right? And, and they knew that was important. And that's something that hasn't changed, even though the three of them are now in college. They didn't always like each other. They didn't always agree with each other. But nobody messed with Abby Miller because they knew that Noah and Ethan were nearby. And, and that was pretty cool. We also love road trips. And all of my kids, even as they've advanced now and they're in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s, have talked about how much they love the road trips, right? They want to get out on the road. They want to do things now that they're getting older. Like we did every summer, we did a road trip, a road trip, a road trip. Again, that didn't mean it was a perfect it didn't mean that I didn't have to pull one of my sons out of the van in, in Northern California and tell him to get it figured out because we're not going to drive for another 1,500 miles with him acting like this, right? I mean, sometimes there are times where you have to take care of things that are hard or that are ugly, but it doesn't lessen family. And if it's done in love and it's done the proper way, that family unit is so special. I know a lot of you, I've had the privilege of knowing a lot of you over the years, and I know that there are some incredible families out there. And when we think about our families, we, they're ours. They're, they, uh, families are weird. They're, they're quirky, right? They're full of interesting people, right? But they're our people, right? They're us. This is who we are. We don't all look alike. My four kids, they don't all act the same or look alike, but we're family, and that's what's important is, as we were studying this week, Drew and I, he was preaching down in Lacey today, we came across some funny quotes, some great quotes that we wanted to share with you guys real quick on families. Uh, families are like fudge, right? Mostly sweet, but with lots of nuts, right? I mean, we, we got some crazy people in our families, right? My family is temperamental, right? Half temper and half mental, right? I mean, so that, that describes some of our families pretty good, right? If, if you, or, or that saying, if you met my family, you would understand, right? The way I act or the way that I'm acting right now or the way uh, I am. And then uh, one that kind of uh, maybe was us sometimes, the, the idea that, well, well, that escalated quickly, right? With three boys in the house, right? That was a family model probably for a while. Now, those are fun. They're jokey. Uh, but when it comes down to it, we, we really know that families are important. Families are what help shape us into the people that we are today. So whether you come from a normal kind of traditional home or whether you come from a fragmented, broken family, God has used your family experience to shape who you are today. So like I said, I talked about my family growing up. That helped me in the way that I became a father, a husband, right? Uh, an understanding for the way my four children are acting because I had two brothers and a sister also, and I remember the way that I act. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit today about what families built on grace means here at the Grace Works. So let's look why we do what we do. It's kind of the same way we looked at worship last week. Why we do what we do, what do we do, and how do we do what we do? Right, So a little bit confusing, but it'll make sense as we go. Uh, if you're taking notes today, I'm going to be peppering you guys with a lot of scripture. You may just want to jot down uh, the reference, and you can go back later and look. If, if I had been on top of it, I probably should have printed out all these for you. Uh, but we'll be touching on a lot of scripture today uh, and picking and choosing some incredible verses that really point to the importance 
of family, right? Roles in family found in Scripture, grace-filled roles that we see throughout Scripture. As we move through this idea that God wants us to exhibit grace in our familial uh, relationships, it's helpful to look into the scriptures and see what it says. So we're going to start out with fathers. This is, I promise you, no particular order, but men, right? How can I be a grace-filled husband or father? So in regards to your wife, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus was willing to die, give up everything for his bride. My challenge today starts out for you men who find yourselves in a husband role. Are you willing to give up anything for your wife? Are you willing to give up something that might not even be a sin, but that causes stress in your relationship? Do you need to give that up? Again, we have a lot to talk on, and I could spend a, a, a whole series talking to you men uh, about being husbands, and I'd be preaching to myself, okay? So, uh, again, these are going to be like shotgun effect. If the Holy Spirit pricks you, please don't allow yourself to move on from it. But my challenge for you first is, is, is God calling you to do anything different in your relationship with your wife Give up something that still might be okay, might not be a sin, might be a freedom, but you know causes stress in your relationship. Do you need to give that up? Men, in regards to your children, Proverbs 3 verse 12 says, For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Discipline. Discipline needs to happen in the family. Now, I know you kids that are still sitting in here, you may not want to hear that from me today, but it does need to be done. But it needs to be done in a grace-filled way. So if you are a father who, who, uh, who is not disciplining his child, you might need to start disciplining your child. If you're not disciplining them in a proper way with a definite end in view... Right? My, my goal is that no matter how many times I have to discipline any one of my children, they know it's because I want them to become more like Jesus Christ. Right? And I want them to not settle for what the world has to offer. And I think you can do that through discipline. Because if you don't discipline your children, you risk straining that relationship. Now, I know there's a risk of strain on the opposite end if you do it incorrectly, but I believe that discipline can be done properly, and it's needed, and to be honest, kids want it. The second passage, though, for fathers in regards to their children is Colossians 3.21. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. This is a tough verse for me. It was tough for me this week. It's been tough for me in the past do not provoke. I find myself sometimes provoking my own children whom I would do anything for. But it's because it's the way I'm wired and, and I know something's getting at them and I'll, I'll push them and I'll poke them. And, and instead, that's not what God wants from me, right? He doesn't want the children to become discouraged. So he says, do not provoke your children. Are you like me today? guilty of doing that sometimes. 
And if you are, may the Holy Spirit lay this on your heart this week. May you search after God as to how can I become a little bit better at less provoking my children? Because we want them to look up to you. We want them to honor you and respect you. And how can they do that if you're not giving them a great example? Don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Mothers, mothers, what has God called me to be to my husband and for my children? In regards to your husband, I went to Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. A, a, a life of submission, though, is not a commandment to be a doormat. If you've been around the Grace Works uh, for any amount of time, you know that. We elevate women to the level that God would elevate them. I need to be willing to give up my life for my wife, right? So when it says submit to your husband as unto the Lord, it's not saying do whatever he says or let him run amok and, and, and you, you can't have any say in that. These work together. If a husband is truly loving his wife as Christ loves the church and is willing to lay down his life for her, do you not think that she will come alongside you and support you in your job, in raising the children, in ministry amongst the church or in, in small group or in uh, men's ministry? We need to become the men that our wives would submit to in a holy reverence as God has called them to do. There are distinct family roles that we need to make sure we're hitting. Godly leadership, direction. If he's not leading you, though, if he's not leading the family, you need to be ready to step up into that role until the Holy Spirit works on him and brings him along because you need to provide that example for your children. In regards to children, um, they, there was so much in Proverbs. I wrote down Proverbs. Uh, if you look in there, uh, it describes what a, a wife and a mother should look like. And it talks about that if you raise your children in the Lord, that they will be talked well about and that reputation will reflect back on you. That you have a voice in their life like none other. And, and the, the wisest man, as he was writing down this Proverbs, encouraged women to invest well in their children. Now, parents, what does the Bible say about you, how you should work together towards raising your children? Deuteronomy 6, 9, uh, or De in Deuteronomy here, we'll be looking at, I don't have down the chapter, I apologize about that. It's verses 6 to 9. Um, it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall, shall be on the frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And here we see the encouragement, parents, is to bring your children up in a godly way and use the scriptures to help form who they are and who they believe they are and what they should do. And it's a very common passage there uh, that, that is, is used for how a family should invest in their children. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from them. 
Now, again, a proverb is if you do this, the likelihood of this will happen. It's not always a guarantee. But the author here says, if you train up your child in the way he or she should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, he may depart for a season, and it may cause you sleepless nights, and you may have to pray and pray and pray for him to come back. But if you have trained him up, he will know what is right from wrong. Now, in relationship to children, the ones who are sitting in here and all the rest who aren't here, but the ones who are sitting here, you're not left out on the instruction. We're talking about families here. Uh, and we're going to go to Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul goes on to say, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. I love this. Paul says, this commandment, if you do it, there's a promise to it. And it says there in verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children, if you want to have a good life, learn to obey your parents. Respect your parents. Love your parents. And if your parents are doing what God has called them to do, it will become easier. We have to honor our parents. Regard them. Regard them with great respect. And that doesn't end at a certain age. So us who are sitting here, blessed to still have our folks around, we need to be honoring our parents, taking care of them grandparents. Proverbs 10, 7 says, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. So if you've grown up and your children are out on their own and you don't have any kids at home and you got the grandkids running around, there is still an important season for you. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. That idea that you have a voice in these children that are your grandchildren's lives that they may not be hearing at home. And they're definitely not hearing it in school or in the neighborhood. I also thought of our mama church, Emmanuel Bible Fellowship. They used the tag phrase, passing on the truth to the next generation. It was that idea of, of uh, you know, it, it had a picture of like runner's hands passing on a baton. But there was an importance that we held that, that we need to invest in our children. And, and if your children are gone and they've moved on, you need to then invest in those children in the church or your grandchildren. And you also need to be investing in us, the parents who still have kids around the house. We need to value the senior saints that God has, has blessed the grace works with. And, and we need to lean on them. Not only for biblical truths uh, uh, about what the Bible says in general about life, but especially about how they interacted with their children and now their grandchildren. We make the mistake uh, as a church if we feel that there's nothing to be learned from those who have gone before us. And so I know I'm getting a little bit ahead in community groups we're going to talk about next week. That's why we don't have uh, uh, young couples community group. That's why we don't have families with small children's community groups. That's why we don't just have an empty nesters community group, which actually for them might be easier than coming and hanging out with your kids, right? But we see the value 
of singles and young marrieds with no children and married people with young children and then people like me who still think they're young but our children are getting older and then those who, whose kids have already moved on. There's a value in having all those people together because you have a voice into somebody's life. And if we truly are going to be the family of God, we need to start viewing each other in those roles and, and those respects. Thank you, seasoned saints, who continue to come here, even though we have loud music on Sunday. Now, we've talked a lot about the family, the family members, but of course, I'm, I'm making the case that we're all a family, so th- there's singles here in our church. Again, we don't have a ton, because a lot of times, singles are looking for churches that have single groups, right? But I think we need you here. We need those of you that aren't married yet, right? We need you here because we need to learn from you. What are you going through? What are you struggling with? Thank God for the gift of singleness. If you're old enough to be married, but you're not yet, God may be calling you to a season of doing something for him. It is a gift from God. And God calls you to make the most of it for as long as you have it. Do all you can to be godly. It's easy for those who are single to kind of lapse into a selfishness, right? A self-centered lifestyle. It's me, my car, or cars. It's my house. I don't want people in my house because they might mess something up, right? They might get into my, my whatever collection or whatever it might be, right? And, 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 and God has called us, though, to live as a family, even if you are single, your thoughts, your deeds. You need to be self-disciplined and you need to be accountable to others. And so again, if you're not involved in a family and you're single, the accountability ends quickly. And we as a church body can offer that accountability to those in our church body who are single. Keep your eyes fixed on heaven. It's that eternal relationship with Christ that ultimately matters. That being said, Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, not just those who are married with children, right? The whole body, he's talking about the church body, being fitted and held together uh, by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. You are important. You are part of us. Causes growth in the body for the building of itself into love. You are valuable. You are a very valuable part of this family, the church. We need you here And that's got to be the voice from all of us as we get singles who come through that door before we lose them. And it may even be as quick as that next week because they may not see a singles group necessarily listed out there. We need to let them know that they are valued. The final thing I wanted to talk about in this kind of section here is we're kind of identifying who's here is there are a lot of people who come from a fractured family. And we want you to know that you are as important as the person sitting next to you. So maybe as I described my family or, or the Facebook view of my, my kids in our family, right, how perfect we are, you're sitting there going, man, my family's nothing like that. Or maybe you're a single parent uh, who's been divorced, and you're like, yeah, I got a jacked up system. I, I don't think you want to have any part of this here, right? 
Or maybe you came from a family that, that wasn't loving. And when, when we talk about this being a family, you're like, I really don't want to have anything to do with a family. I like to keep to myself, right? Well, God says you are an important part of this family, no matter what your earthly family has done to you, how they've disappointed you, how they've failed you, how they've sinned against you, or even the mistakes that you have made. Because even though my Facebook feed may not say it, there are mistakes made daily and weekly by me in my family. So no matter what facade we put on on Sunday morning, we all fall into the fractured or broken people, right? And so if your family feels that way, I want you to know that you are just as important. And I couldn't get James 4.27 out of my mind, even though it's not a perfect tie here. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And, and for me, I was thinking it's more than just the widows. It's more than just the orphans. Uh, and I know those are important segments and we need, to, we need to make sure we analyze that verse in light of that. But I'm thinking of anyone who feels like they are alone. So if you're here today and you feel like you're parenting alone... If you feel like you are from a broken or fractured family, I want to encourage you and let you know that you can be part of God's family. And and if you place your faith in him, you are. And you need to acknowledge that. And you need to grasp for an understanding that comes from God alone as to what a family should look like. You are important. That's why we do what we do. It's because it's from the Bible. We're moving into the next section here. It's going to go a little bit quicker. What do we do here at TG Dub, right? What do we do? Our primary human relationships are with families, husbands, wives, parents, children, siblings, grandparents, etc., etc. We are called to love each other as Christ first loved us. So we have a great example. Right? If you want to know how to be a better dad or a, a better mom or a better sibling, I'm not going to point you to him or her or them. I'm going to point you towards Christ. That's what you need to, to go after. So one of our, our, uh, our vision statements, right, for the churches, we aim to equip both traditional and fragmented families to strive for that high calling as God's grace transforms their priorities, their preferences, and their passions. And I think the key there is understanding that it's God's grace that transforms that. That's why we're dedicated to bringing you God's word each week because we truly believe that it's his word and his word alone that can transform your lives. As pastors, we are called to shepherd you and to guide you and to to feed you and to love you. But on Sunday mornings when I'm here, I'm communicating with you what we believe the Holy Spirit has brought to us as a pastoral staff. And then we give all the work that's going to be done in your heart to get you to a place where you either take that next step or you come and, and seek help on taking that next step to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to sit up here and twist your arm and try to convince you of something. If you feel conviction coming, that's from the Holy Spirit. That's our prayer at least. We go into every week praying that. Holy Spirit, take what I'm going to say 
no matter how many times I stammer or stutter or fail, right, no matter how many times I don't put the exact word in here that maybe I wanted or the right reference, take that information and use it. Because it's God's word, it's his grace that transforms our priorities, preferences, and passions. So we want to help families grow in their grace relationship. We, we value grace relationships in our families. Challenging the men in their, in their role as spiritual leadership that we see in Scripture. And that doesn't diminish what the women are called to do in their families. Again, another thing that we could talk about for at least a full sermon, if not multiple. We're all called to different roles. But we as a church want to encourage each other into the roles that God has called us to. We want to elevate and equip parents to become better disciple makers. If you have children, that needs to be your first investment, is in your children. You are making disciples. And then we need to become the family of God to fragmented families or hurting people. You may be sitting out there today with your spouse sitting next to you, and you may be feeling fragmented. That spouse may not want to be here this morning. They may not be hearing a word that I'm saying. But Holy Spirit is talking to you. Keep getting here because this family here is going to love you and they're going to help you. And when Holy Spirit draws that spouse back to himself, we will be here and we will celebrate with you and we will move along with you. Psalm 78, 1 to 7 says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. This is God speaking uh, uh, through this author here. Hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open up my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from old. What we have heard and know, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide from them, uh, from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy worthy deeds of the Lord. So the Lord is speaking through the author here, saying, what you are passing on is important. You can't just give your kids a Bible, a kid's Bible at the age of five, and say, good luck. Right? Here you go. I'll teach you to read, but you need to figure this out on your own. We want them to put their trust in God, verse 7 says here, and not forget about his deeds but keeping his commandments. So at at TGW, we aim to equip. Well, how do we do that? It gets into our last section here. Last week, we talked about worship services. How do we do that? Build them on grace. What does it look like? Those sorts of things. So how do we at the Grace Works try to create families built on grace? Well, we do that in a couple of ways. First, as I mentioned, we do it through our worship services. We're going to help you here. We're going to try to teach you. We're going to try to equip you with the truth of God through preaching the word, right? We're going to craft messages that should teach you and inform you on how to instruct and teach your children. We're going to have services that are uh, conducive to kids, whether it's in here or in uh, the children's ministry. We have them in for worship, though, purposefully, guys. We have them in for worship so they can see you as parents and they can see other adults around them worshiping Jesus passionately. Okay? We have the children in here on purpose. We want them to see your example. We want them to see the people who are around them worshiping. We don't mind if they run up and down the aisle. We don't mind if a baby's crying. 
We don't mind if your child is talking to you, especially if they're asking a question. Okay? Now, there are times as parents we need to hush our children or get up and walk around with them or whatever. I'm all for that, right? We don't need the chaos. But it doesn't bother me. If you're in the back walking your child and it's crying, that's fine. I've been there. I've been there a lot, right? It's okay. And that's the kind of church we're going to build. And so if that's distracting to some people, they may not find the Grace Works a church home that they can worship in. Again, we don't want chaos. If your kid's running laps, you need to parent, right? I'm, I'm miss, I need to be preaching on parenting. Take care of your kids, right? But if they're talking, if they're asking you questions, if they're singing, right, or if they start crying for some reason, it's okay. We're a family. One of the most beautiful things I've seen is, is we have a, a, a mom who shows up with four kids sometimes, right, that can be a little bit rambunctious. And some of our senior saints will step in and will take one of the child and hold on to them and love on them. That's family. That's family. So instead of being bothered by the neighbor whose kid might be talking or crying or fussing, maybe you look for a way to help out, right? Right? I mean, that's what we're here for. It's so important. So that's the way. I mean, when I preach, I like it a little quiet. I want to be able to communicate. I want you guys to hear and I want you to teach. So that's a goal, but I'm not going to be destroyed if a, if a, a parent's standing in the back with a crying baby. That's not going to hurt me. And so we've got to get to the place where we can all believe that and get to that place. I think God wants us to interact with him through worship even through the word, with our children nearby. I want them to see the example of you worshiping God, singing praise. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall today be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your child and shall walk or talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the wayside, when you lie down, when you rise. We already looked at this one earlier, but it's so important. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as the, on the frontlets between your eyes. Here God, through the author of Deuteronomy, is saying, you need to be speaking life into your children. And we have a whole book of God's words, wisdom, and life. I don't know how many of your homes I've been into where I see a chalkboard where you erase it and you put a, a scripture verse on for the month or for the week. Or sometimes, you know, if I was in charge, it'd be there and it'd be for a year and a half, right? Because I forget to erase. But my point is, you have an opportunity there for your children to see God's word, to see life being spoken into them. Share a verse with them. Tell them how you're growing in the Lord. Deuteronomy says, parents, you need to be talking about God all the time, no matter what you do. And Proverbs 6, uh, 20 to 23 says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Like I said, Proverbs is beautiful about parents, moms, dads, encouragements for children. There are th I wasn't planning on saying this, but there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, if you have trouble getting on any sort of Bible study or reading or whatever, like most of us do, we, we start something and we quit a week later or whatever. The Proverbs, 
one day, one chapter, and you get through it in a month. And if you miss a day, that's okay. Just don't even worry about going back and reading that because you'll get it next month. My challenge for you for the rest of this year, whatever the day is, so today's the, the 13th, hop in and read Proverbs 13. The most growth I've ever experienced in years are when I've tried to do that throughout the year. Spend time in Proverbs. And I'm telling you, if you get to where you're consistent on that, continue on in those chapters, but God will give you the time and the desire to get elsewhere in God's word. But that way, you don't have to go buy yourself a Bible study book. You don't have to read six chapters or a whole book to feel like you're spiritual, but spend some time in Proverbs. But anyways, let me get back to this. I'm so sorry. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. What a beautiful plea to our children to listen to their parents. Bind them on your hearts always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. If, if you want to have success in disciplining your children, use God's word. It's not saying don't do this because I said no, or don't do this because mom doesn't want you to do it, right? That's great parenting. No, go to God's word and say, this is what God's word is teaching us about being young men and young women, right? And then, and then go after that. There was a season where Abby was having trouble getting to sleep at night. And so mom's encouragement to her was, Abby, you need to spend time with God before you go to bed. And then maybe it'll be a little bit easier to go to sleep and maybe you won't have dreams that, that sometimes will, will, will try to get their way into your brain during the night. You can find success. Let it be the last thing they do before they go to bed. Let it be the last thing that you do before you go to bed. God's word is very, very important. Secondly, we have ministries such as uh, kids church, youth group that come alongside the parents to help. Now let me be crystal clear there. We are coming alongside you to help you. If you think you can just drop your kids off here and they're going to get everything they need only from our kids ministry, we're going to fail you. And that's not what God desires as you as parents. So let me be clear on that. It's not the church's job to raise your kids to become God-fearing children. Our job and our goal is to make sure that they have fun, that they are safe, that they're taught God's word, but then you need to go home and interact with them. What did you guys learn in, in Sunday school today? And then talk with them throughout the week about that. They exist to come alongside you as parents and, and to be a part of what you are doing. And we are going to try to equip you to then do that. Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Worship services. Third, it's a community groups. We, we want to provide that. We want, to, we want that to be a place where families can be built up on grace. That's why we have those community groups that are intergenerational, like I was talking about earlier. I, I want an older couple or two and, and, and some singles and, and some older you know, parents with older kids and then some younger. I want them all together doing life together. 
That's our goal. It's awesome to be in a group with people just like you, okay? But that's what Sunday afternoons are for. Invite your friends over, right? And hang out with them. That's great because they're a lot like you. But our community groups, we truly believe and feel are best done when we have a good mixture of people. A couple of verses that talk about that. Psalm 71.18 says, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. We have been called by God to share what we have learned, to share how we have grown, to, to talk about the grace of God in our lives to those who are younger. Titus 2, 3 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, but they are to teach what is good. I promise you I didn't put that in there because of the wine. Okay, drink your wine. I want you to. Enjoy life. Uh, We can go to a lot of verses on that too, and I'll I'll take you there to those. But what I wanted you to say is, women, you have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life. And look at that last sentence uh, of Titus 2, 3. They are to teach what is good. You have been called to pass these things on, right? You've been called by God to do that and in the church. Remember that your church family as a whole uh, is a family. There should be no one that's lonely, right, in this church. We, as a church, we need to be opening up our homes to one another, relating to one another. Not just our family or our little clique, but to the church family. So what does that look like? It means in, in our family that the church should be our family, right? It's made up of all kinds of different people. We have some traditional families. We have some fragmented families. We have some broken families. We have some singles. We have some uh, uh, seasoned saints. But we are a family. Every single one of us can benefit from what everyone else in the church is doing. James 1.27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. God is calling us, no matter where we are, what season we are in, no matter how our family has looked or looks right now, to be a part of this family. So ask yourself, how are you belonging to the body of Christ? Are you, are you diving in at all or do you just come on Sunday mornings and get out of here? Because of what's going on in your life now or in the past, are you not allowing yourselves to get involved and be part of what God has provided for you and has called you to? We are the church. We are the family. So no matter where you're at today, we need you. We want you. Hear the invitation. Know that God wants you to be a part of this group. Embrace the weirdos that may be sitting around you that are part of your family, right? I'm one of them here, right? Help bear one another's burdens. Help teach the truth of God's word to others. Let's make that commitment today.